welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 7 of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. I am Brandon LaChance, unfortunately co-host Tony Milas. You know, it's life. You got things you got to do, and he's had some things going on the last week or so, and you know, he's got kids, he's got a, a wife, and a job, a great job, great family, so he's got things he's got to do. He'll be around though, but for this show, I'm going to solo in the intro before we kick it to our interview with Earlville boys soccer coach Larry Hyden, who this year brought Earlville to its second straight sectional final. For a school like Earlville with a low enrollment, does not have a lot of kids, to be able to put teams together like that that have that kind of success in the regular season and the postseason, I mean, they finished the year 18-3. and That's pretty impressive. And they play teams, mostly everybody they play is bigger than them. They play Mendota. They play... Princeton. They play all those teams. Princeton is 3A in football. Mendota is borderline 2A, 3A every year. So they're playing schools that are way bigger than them. So to get to where they did, you know, that's a very impressive statement. In this year's sectional final, they ran into Quincy Notre Dame, who's not an easy opponent. They were the defending state champs. And this year, Notre Dame got to the semifinals before getting beat by Alton Marquette who then lost to the state championship to Chicago University. Soccer's wrapped up for at least 1A. Great season by Earlville. We've got to throw in Mendota. Larry Hyden talks about Mendota and new coach Nick Myers. Only went to school with. We were in the same class. So community vibe. I mean, when they're playing against each other on the pitch, they don't want to lose to them. But when the other team gets to where, you know, a level where they're not at, you know, they, they support them, and that's awesome to see from the Illinois Valley community. So I'm excited to have him. Real quick before we get into that, have to thank Brian Cavelli for the theme song. It's awesome. Thanks, Cavelli. Also, you can listen to us almost everywhere. We have a Facebook page, Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Twitter, Edge of Your CP. Again, podcast was too long. I don't know, Twitter. you got to change your stuff up. <laughs> Just kidding. Edge of Your CP at Twitter. Follow us on Spotify and iTunes. Awesome to, to see the listens. Follow us. Make sure you know you're getting every episode and you get to hear me and Tony discuss, you know, whatever. And that's why it's such a your seat podcast because you don't know what we're going to bring. You don't know who we're going to talk to. You don't know what topics we're going to talk about. I mean, we could spin off and do whatever we want to. This is mine and Tony's show. It doesn't matter what we do. As long as we're entertaining you guys, that's all that we care about. So, Send us a follow on Spotify and iTunes, again, Edge of Your Seat Podcast. If you have anything you want to contact us about, you want to debate a topic, you want to suggest a topic, you want to suggest somebody to interview, anything like that, sponsorship money, anything that you want to contact us about, edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. One of these days we'll have edgeofyourseat.com, but for now, we'll just stick with Gmail. Anyway, hit us up if you have anything that you want to discuss with us. That's the contact ring. Or, again, Facebook and Twitter, leave a message on there. Uh, we post something, reply. Try to interact with us. We'll interact back. I mean, that's what we're here for, right? We're a community, not only just the Illinois, but national, sports, Illinois. You know, we try to do it all. That's how you got to be these days, right? So before we break down soccer, soccer's over, so we we'll probably won't mention it again until the spring when the girls start. A couple things happened Sunday that we have to speak on. The Chicago Bears lose again for the fourth straight time. I mean, I'm getting tired of seeing them lose. They're my team. They have talent. 
Obviously, they're not getting blown out in these games, even though the beginning of the games looks like a blowout. They were down 19-0 yesterday before falling 22-14 to the Philadelphia Eagles in what's a rematch of the wildcard game from last year where, you know, Cody Parkey and the double doink and, oh, God, we've talked about that before. That will be a haunting memory forever. But, I mean, the Chicago offense, what is going on? I was watching the post-game, or no, the pre-game, sorry, the pre-game for the Chicago Bulls and Kendall Gill, Kendall Gill, former Bull, I, I think he's an NBA legend, but whatever. He's been doing, you know, Chicago Bulls broadcast for quite a few years now. He called out the Bears and said that the Bulls' rebounding numbers, which are the worst in the league, are pretty close. They're like 29th and 30th in different rebounding categories. He said that is almost as bad as watching the Chicago Bears offense, or their stats are comparable. That is ridiculous. The Chicago Bears, not just in Chicago area, were considered to be Super Bowl contending team. Like, they were considered to be in this year's Super Bowl. That is not happening. They were just written off by Jimmy Johnson, Michael Strahan, me, probably Tony. I think he was starting to write him off last week. So, man, it's disappointing. Hopefully they figure something out. Honestly, at this point, I think Coach Matt Nagy and quarterback Mitchell Trubisky, the rest of the season, they're playing for their jobs. I don't think there's any doubt about that. They both had time. In football, it is fast-paced. You don't have five, ten years to be like, okay, next year's going to be better. We got this into place. you got like a two, three-year max. And that's it. You have to show results. When you have the level of talent that they have defensively, and they have solid running backs. David Montgomery, work in progress. He's a rookie, but he's, he's shown strength. He's shown speed. He busted for a 55-yard run last week and had 135 yards altogether. This week, unfortunately, he only had he had 40 yards, 40 yards on 14 carries. But the whole rushing game for the Bears had 62 yards on 18 carries. And they're the 14 points, the two touchdowns, came from Montgomery. So he's getting the goal line stances and stuff like that. And his longest yesterday against Philadelphia was 17. Man, I, I don't, it's, it's a mixture of both. It's the play calling and Trubisky when he does get the plays that the Bears should move the chains or, you know, get in position to move the chains or position to score the touchdown. Trubisky doesn't look like an NFL quarterback at all. There is probably about 10 college quarterbacks right now that could step into the league and look better than Mitchell Trubisky did. Not just last, this week, not just yesterday. But for his entire NFL career, he's shown signs of like, hey, maybe this could be the guy. But more often than not, he's inconsistent, can't hit his players, his wide receivers. He's overthrowing, he's underthrowing. He can't decide whether he should run or not. If he's got a wide open hole and there's not going to be a defender that's not going to touch him for 5 or 10 yards, run. He's not. He's waiting to see what is going to happen. You cannot wait in the NFL. These guys are too big, too fast, too strong, and close gaps faster than anything you could possibly think in life in a car accident you see a car coming in this slip those nfl defensive players are probably moving just as fast as those cars in the car accident when you can like predict what's going to happen they're coming that fast it is like a train wreck almost every play on the nfl gridiron you have to be decisive you can't sit around and be like oh what should i do what should i do 
That's what makes Aaron Rodgers great. That's what makes Tom Brady great. And I am saying, you know, elite quarterbacks that are Hall of Fame players have Super Bowls, but still, you cannot wait around to try to decide what you're doing. So, a mixture of his indecisiveness, Matt Nagy's play calling. Last week he ran the ball, Chicago showed success. This week, 18 carries in a full football game for 62 yards. That is 3.4 yards per carry. That's awful. That's awful. Awful, awful, awful. Also, Chicago Bulls fall to Indiana Pacers. And I, I think I turned it off at halftime. I, I couldn't do it anymore. But they lost 108-95. I love the Bulls. I think they have talent. But they are going to be at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. I thought, I, I predicted them to be in the playoffs. I thought they could get in eight, seven, six seeds, something like that. But the way they're playing and the way that Jim Boylan is coaching this team, I mean, whatever he thinks of Laurie Marketing and Thaddeus Young, you know, whatever. But he is benching one of your cornerstones. So the cornerstones of this team going into this season and last season, pretty much since they got to the team, are Zach Levine and Laurie Marketing. You do not have your cornerstone sitting on the bench at key minutes of a fourth quarter. Thaddeus Young has been playing great. I am not complaining about Thad Young. But you can't do that to marketing. He's a young player still. I, I know. It's the same thing with the NFL. Like, you have to make these decisions quick and stick with them and things like that. And I give I do give Boylan credit for making a decision like that when this is really his first year as a head coach. He was an interim last year. He is making decisions, which is good. You want to see that. But it's not like marketing is playing awful. He is just inconsistent. Same thing with Zach Levine. So you have young players that are inconsistent and at times are superstars and are doing everything that you want your cornerstones of your team to do. And then other times they're not. So hopefully this is a like, hey, marketing, get your stuff together. Otherwise, this is where you're going to be at. At the same time, Thad Young is coming off the bench and showing them how to close the game, which is awesome. So hopefully this doesn't continue. Thaddeus Young plays great in the minutes that he's given. And marketing goes to that star level that he should be at already. Levine is not getting benched at the end of games, but there are some where he just like disappears. He's trying to take tough shots with two guys in his face after a turnaround, all this other stuff. There's a couple times he can make an easy pass for a wide open shot. Instead, he wants to play hero ball. You can't do that. I predicted him and marketing to be all-stars this year. It's possible in the East. You never know what's going to happen in the East. There's only a few players that are penned in to the all-star team. But if they're going to continue to play like this, so inconsistent, and you don't know what you're going to get from them night after night, they're not going to reach that level. They're just not. And it's not trying to bash them. I, I want them to get to this level. I want them to be two of the best players in the league. I don't know if they have the talent to do that, but when you're talking about the Chicago Bulls and my fandom for this team, of course, I want the players on the Bulls to be better than everybody else. That's, I mean, that's what you want. That's what a fan should want in, in everything that they're a fan of. So... Obviously, I want them to be awesome, but at this point in time, they're playing like mid-tier players. They, they really are. And if you want to get to that superstar level, and if you want to be labeled the guy of a team, you have to play like the guy of a team. And neither one of them are doing that when both of them have the talent to do that. So, pulls are 2-5, and five, just fell to Indiana Pacers, 108-95. Hopefully they can bounce back. I mean, it's a long season. It's the beginning. 
And we haven't been hit with a heavy injury yet in the Bulls the last two, three years. The injuries just pile on. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully we see some positiveness moving forward. The game against the Pistons, where they did pick up the W, that was awesome. Again, Otto Porter stepped up at like 22 points. He's got to step up every game as well. I know he's been he's played on teams where he didn't have to be the guy. He was with John Wall and Bradley Beal with the Washington Wizards. He didn't have to step up and be that guy night in and night out. And he shouldn't have to be with the Bulls with Levine and marketing. But if you got to, you got to. I mean, you earn that star role. You get to the All-Star game. That'd be awesome, too. It doesn't have to be a certain guy. We just need some consistent, great play. That's, that's all the Bulls need. That's what the team needs in the record book, and that's what the fans want to see, and we're not. If they play against the Pistons like that, I'm not saying that they win, but if you continuously play like you did against the Pistons, you're going to get more dubs than you don't. I mean, they forced the Pistons into bad decisions or stuff like that. Thankfully, Tony Snow misses a huge three. Derrick Rose goes out of bounds. Derrick Rose misses a layup. I love Derrick Rose. I'm not trying to bash him, but that's what happened in the game. But they took advantage of that, made the points when they needed to, and the Bulls walked out winners. They closed out the game. You have to do that every night. You have to stay on that same level. You can't drop off from game to game. Anyway, that's my spiel on the Bulls. I love them. It's kind of hard to watch them. I was hoping for a little better, but I guess that's that's Chicago sports right now. With the Chicago Cubs, predicted to be the World Series like the since 2000, when they won in 2016. They were predicted to be in the World Series for like the next five years. Well, we know that didn't happen. They didn't even make the playoffs. The Bears, we thought they were Super Bowl contending teams. They've lost four straight. The Bulls, we knew they weren't great and they weren't going to like be Eastern Conference champs or go to the NBA Finals. But we were hoping for a playoff berth. It's early in the season. You never know what can happen. But it does not look like that's going to happen either. <sighs> we can always wish for better days. Shout out to the Princeton, Fieldcrest, and Hall football teams for winning their first round playoff games. The Illinois Valley has three teams left. It is amazing. Uh, there are some other teams around that have won as well and are advancing. So we will talk about them further and as we get to the second round of the playoffs on Friday and Saturday. But just wanted to give them a shout out. Also want to give a big shout out to two LaSalle Peru cross country runners. Ashley Heggie and Logan Johnson both made the state tournament, which will be this upcoming weekend. Congratulations to them. Making state and cross country is super hard, just like it is in every sport. Getting to the state tournament is a really impressive feat. Not a lot of people could say that they did that, and both of these two earned it, deserved it. Congratulations to them. And, and, how could we not talk about the LaSalle Peru volleyball team winning another regional? They are on a crazy, incredible roll. Mark Habercorn, Habs, is the coach of the Lady Cavaliers. He has created a volleyball factory there. Every year, you know they're going to be tough. Every year, you're automatically thinking, are they going to get to state this year? They probably have a sectional in the books. Every year, they're already penned in, not penciled, penned in to a sectional. Almost every year, they're going to get the regional. There's no doubt about that. Habercorn is an amazing coach, great guy, knows his volleyball. The girls connect with him. He's an older guy. He's an older guy with these high school girls, and each every year 
he is able to mold them into a great team. Not just in the regular season, but the playoffs too. And they keep getting better and better and better and better. So the way he can connect with them and be about volleyball and like, hey, I'm going to be the guy that gets you to where you want to be in this sport. They listen to him. They follow him. They buy into his system. It is amazing. Okay. I think I've talked about everything I want to. Every time I say this, I jump back into something else. But this time, it's for real. Here's Larry Hyden. Thanks again, Larry, for being on. Hope you all the kinds of success in the future. Can keep those sectional final appearances rolling. We joked around about it in the interview. Hopefully, it's not against Mendota. I mean, we're Mendota boys. We want them to win. <laughs> but we'll go with anybody in the Illinois Valley. All right. You guys have a great day. We'll be back shortly. It is always a pleasure to speak with our guest today. It is Earlville boys soccer coach Larry Hyden. Larry, how are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I want to introduce you before we get going to the co-host, Tony Milas. Tony, Larry, introduce. Larry, 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 thank you very much for doing this. We appreciate it, buddy. I, I, like I said, I, I appreciate the, uh, the chance to come on and, and talk to you, gentlemen. Definitely. We always like soccer. Me and Tony weren't really big into soccer when we were in high school. We were both Mendota boys. But the older we've gotten, the more we've been around it because now it's, it's really popular in the Illinois Valley. So just talk about that and how soccer has become kind of a big deal around here. Um, well, you know, I think, you know, speaking from at least the Earlville, I mean, even given a brief history, you know, when, when Earlville lost football back in, I think, geez, the late 70s, early 80s, that's when they started getting it, you know, and I think they kind of jumped right into it, you know, and I think if you want to be successful at everything, starting from the the, the younger age and going up, you you, you got to be committed to it. And I think um, success, you know, breeds success. A lot of kids grow up watching really good teams, and I think you're starting to see that, especially at Mendota now, you know, last couple of years they've had some really good teams, they got some really good talent coming up. But, you know, I can say for a fact that Earlville, you know, those little kids, they, they watch teams win. And I think teams like watching teams win. And I think that's been a, a huge, you know, boost for, especially, you know, Earlville. And I see, I've seen it with Mendota in either maintaining success or like, or sustaining some sort of it throughout the years. When you look at like Illinois High School Association website, they have Earlville with an enrollment of 133.5 students. I don't know where the 0.5 comes from, but... That's not a lot of kids. <laughs> That's not a lot of kids to try to get a team together. It, it really isn't, you know. And um, I was actually complaining a little bit, you know, early beginning of the season because I only had 21 kids on my team this year, which is the lowest I've ever had. I'm usually close to the to 30s. Actually, I have the most I've had around about 36. Um, but we'd go and play other teams. You know, we still had three or four more kids than other teams. So, like, you know, I kind of realized that. It's just a, just a different mindset in Earlville. Like, they, the, the kids really take it seriously, you know, and, and they all want to participate and, and be a part of of whatever success or whatever happens. You know, even a couple of down years before I started coaching, and I use that lightly, but, like, there were still lots of kids who were going out and participating and, and wanting to play soccer. So, you know, I know some towns have, like, basketball or sport. You know, obviously we don't have football, so we don't have that, but I think, I think in Earlville, soccer has really cemented itself as, the sport, but not only that, like the kids want to play, but like the community follows, you know, you know, regular home games, you're going to see more than just, um, you know, parents there or students fans there. You're going to see adults who don't have kids to go to school anymore, but they, they, they try to make it out a couple times a week to watch the kids play. 
Well, this year, the fans that came out to your games had a lot to be thankful for or, or watch and appreciate. Uh, in your fifth season, you go 18-3, and three and you get to the second sectional final in consecutive years. Last year, you guys won. This year, didn't get to win, but you made it back. We had a really good group of boys the last few years who really put their work in, you know, and I think they rewarded those fans who would come and watch, you know, and I think they appreciate that too, you know, they understand that, especially those sectional final games the last couple of years, you know, we were traveling, you know, almost two hours to get to it, you know, and we had the bigger fan base compared to the other team who, who weren't that much farther away. So it's, it's you know, sustaining success. It's, you know, kids understanding that it's okay to dream bigger than winning just like a conference championship, but also understanding that every game, you know, you can't get too, you can't sit too far ahead, you know. Understand that the game that matters is the next game on the schedule and not worrying about what happens comes playoff time. But it was good, you know, and, and I thought, you know, we played really well this year. You know, we just ran through an incredibly good top soccer team and, Unfortunately, when you play teams like that, you got to play your best. And we had about an eight-minute spell there where we just didn't play very good, and they took full advantage of it. Yeah, let's just kind of run down these games when you got to the playoffs. I mean, you beat Serena in the regional semifinal 7-0. Then you defeat Newark in the regional final 5-1. You beat Roanoke Benson in the sectional semi 2-1. And then the team that you were talking about, you ran into Quincy Notre Dame lost 5 nothing, but they were the defending state champions. Going back even to regionals, you know, knowing Serena, we, we knew that, talking about that game real quick, that uh, Serena had been playing really good soccer the last couple of games, and they actually played us really well the previous week in a little 10 tournament. So we kind of had, we kind of wanted to step our game up, and, and I think my boys know, or they knew, you know, this time of the year is different. Like, the mentality is different. The pace of play is different. You know, every shot, you know, means something. You know, every every defensive play means something. So, I, we kind of want that mentality going through uh, um, Serena and, and even Newark to an extent. And then getting to Roanoke, who's a very good team. I think our boys were excited to play Quincy for the simple fact that we knew that they were state champions. We wanted to compare ourselves to them. And, and, you know, like I said before, I mean, you'd love to take eight minutes out of a game. Unfortunately, you can't. But we played with them, you know, and, and that was a very, very good team. And I, I, I actually had a couple parents, you know, from the opposing team mention how well, you know, how much we pushed them and how hard we played. But like I said, you know, you, you get to that caliber of soccer, you, you got to play 80 minutes clean, you know, and there can't be any mess-ups. And give Quincy all the all – the, whatever they need or whatever, you know. I mean, they didn't make any mistakes, you know. And, and when we did, they took advantage. So, like I said, it was a very, very good game. Unfortunately, we are on the wrong end of it. But I think the boys – I mean, the boys wanted to prove themselves. I think a lot of them realized that, you know, we can play with these, you know, these schools that are perennial, you know, state powerhouses. Yeah, Larry, I, I first want to congratulate you on an 18-3 and record and all the postseason stuff you did. I mean, that that is amazing for – if people don't realize the town that Earlville is for the amount of kids you have in that school and for the amount of that, that is, that's an amazing feat. So congratulations on that. Um, Thank you very much. Yeah. Last year, Manny Gomez was one of the best players in the area. And uh, unfortunately he was hurt for the majority of the season. Uh, Real quick, who had to step up in his absence for the team to have the success success they had this year? You know, Manny encompassed so many parts of the soccer field. You know, he was, like you said, he, he was one of the best players in the area. You know, he, he did very, he did such a good job, not just scoring goals, but facilitating goals. You know, being a presence in the middle of the field when, even if he wasn't 
offensively doing stuff, you know, he was making passes that set up plays that set up plays, you know, he was doing stuff that other players, you know, sometimes he was three plays ahead, you know, even, even us as a team were trying to figure out where he was going. But I think you got to break it down into like goal scoring. I think Jared Free stepped it up a lot when he went down, uh, you know, he was our right forward who actually got hurt a little bit this year too. I think he ended up with 21 or 22 goals. So he, he stepped up in that. Um, Landon Larkin, you know, in terms of being a presence in the middle of the field, that kind of facility in the soccer ball, you know, he stepped up a lot, especially when Manny went down. You know, uh, Devin Kennedy, who's, who's always been just a really good player for us, you know, I think he, he put a little bit more responsibility on himself, you know, to kind of pick up, you know, where, where Manny left off, you know. So they really, I couldn't tell you it was one person who did, you know, all of it. I think it was a mixture of, of three people doing an incredible job. And I think that kind of just speaks to what Manny was as a player, you know, when he was 100% healthy. Well, I just crossed off about three questions you just answered in that one little spot, so. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> no, don't apologize. That's excellent. That, that makes it easier. It flows better. Uh, who was who was the goalkeeper making the saves for you in the box there? Oh, um, Michael Sansoni. That was the one person you didn't mention. I had to make sure he got a shout-out there. Yes, yes. No, he uh... – Yes, he, he did a very good job for us. And Earl has a history of really good goalies, too. You know, I mean, going back, I mean, I've coached well with, Luke Stra- or with uh, Logan Strucker and then Brad Miller from, like, those, uh, you know, the middle 2000s when their Earl got really good. So they have a history. So I think Mikey was trying to really cement his place among some of the great goalies that's not just come out of, you know, Earl, but, you know, tried to come out of the area. Uh, we mentioned last year that you won the sectional final. Well, you beat Mendota. Thanks a lot, Larry. We appreciate that. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, well, they got, they got a little feedback this year. Yeah, and that's that's what I wanted to talk about. I mean, uh, you met Mendota in a non-conference battle. Mendota wins 3-1, but, I mean, you only won, lost three matches throughout the whole season. So that was kind of late in the year, right before playoffs. Did that loss against the Trojans kind of help the team reevaluate itself and let it know what it had to do to make that long playoff run? You know what? I mean, I, I really do think it did. We, um, you know, we, we knew Mendota got a new coach with Nick Myers, and we actually, Nick was my assistant, and I know he was a varsity coach at Mendota for a little bit before he came became my assistant. We knew he was a hell of a coach, you know, just with his ability not just to run practices, run drills, run a game plan, but to motivate. So we knew that this wasn't going to be the same Mendota team we faced in the past. I think we were kind of, you know, we hadn't lost since the first weekend of the season. So back in August, we won all these games. I think we were starting to kind of get a little bit ahead of ourselves. And it was good. I, I was glad we were playing Mendota then because it kind of was a good team before, you know, the playoffs start and everything. And, you know, I think they had a purpose to play. And unfortunately, I think we came out thinking it was just going to be, you know, the same old, same old, you know, and, and maybe fortunately it wasn't for us. And I think after that loss, we realized that, that every play matters. You know, we can't we can't expect to play only 35 minutes of good soccer and beat any team of any sort of quality. You know, that's what Mendota showed us. I think there was there was a stretch there. Where I thought we were playing good, but at that point, Mendota was already up a goal or two on us. You know, and and still controlling the game. You know, so we we knew that if we want to make a run of any of any sort of any sort of run, come you know, state playoffs. I mean, we got to play. We got we got to expect teams to give us their best, and that's what Mendota did, you know. And give them all the credit in the world, you know. I would love to say that, you know, it should have been a different score, but in fact, they probably could add a couple more goals on us if you know if, if things want to bounce the other way. So they're a very good team this year, too. And I give a lot of that credit to uh, 
Coach Myers. Cool. Speaking of, speaking of Nick Myers, uh, you know, obviously he was a classmate of ours, graduated the same year we graduated in high school. I know Nick very, very well. Um, great guy. Uh, I, I really like, first of all, I'd like to see what Earlville's doing, having you over in their program, and then obviously having Nick back in his hometown is really cool. Um, I think that's really neat to hear the kind of stuff that you guys had to talk about with him, and that, that that's some really cool stuff. Were you actually hoping to meet Mendota in the sectional final instead of Quincy Notre Dame, and not because uh, of the lack of the lack of maybe I, I think talent maybe would be the wrong word, but because of maybe that that late loss late in the year? I that, that was a a driving factor for sure. I think we were really really looking to see um, Mendota play again. We really wanted to, because I think a lot of our, especially our senior boys who had a, kind of a bad taste in their mouth, especially, you know, after, after that last game, you know, and they, and a lot of them, you know, would be the first to say that like they were, they didn't, they weren't prepared as they should have been, or they took a little bit off. And we had played them earlier, in like, like a, a game in the summer. And I think we came away with like a, like a five to one win or a five, two, like, I don't know exactly. And I think a lot of guys had that in their memory bank the last time we played them. So I think a lot of them kind of wanted to show, you know, and they, they, you know, the wild thing is too, a lot of the kids from my team know a lot of those kids from Mendota, you know, so there's all sorts of like, you know, chit chat going on before, you know, after. So there's, there's, there's a good rivalry that happens, you know, we were looking to see Mendota play. And I think part of it too is, you know, if if we're going to lose a game, I'd rather lose it to a team like Mendota than to a team like Quincy anyways, you know, just because of, you know, the proximity, the, the you know, the familiarness with them and, you know, the fact that, you know, public school too, you know, and, you know, I like to see public schools go as far as they possibly can, so. Uh, what do you think this team has to do to make it to a third sectional final or even to state possibly next year? Well, um, we are graduating nine starters, so we got to find – players who, who can fill in those roles, you know, and I think uh, what kind of helped us the last few years is, you know, a lot of these players on this team, you know, started off as role players or guys coming off the bench getting, you know, five to, you know, 15 minutes a game, and then every year that kind of improved, and they accepted that as their role, you know, because they knew eventually they're going to be starting, they're going to see a lot of quality time. I think, you know, going into the next year is, is finding people first willing to accept the role and then second, you know, willing to step up and fill in, you know, one of those bodies, you know, missing a Manny, a Jared, a Landon, mm-hmm. you know, Mikey, our goalie. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. finding those those positions, those players right there, you know, is, is going to be key. I think the other thing too is this group, you know, they, they played soccer nonstop and, you know, they were, they were, you know, when I had my summer workouts, you know, or, or open fields, like they would set up that stuff on their own and they'd be playing all the time. And I mean, there's a reason why teams are good, you know, very few, I mean, especially in soccer when there's so many players that have to play, you know, it's hard to have just one good player to be successful. You know, you have to have a, a, quite a few and my guys played a lot, you know, so that's like the big thing is, are, are they going to get up? You know, I talk about all the time is, you know, are they going to touch a ball before August? You know, like, you know, they're going to go the entire nine months between the season without touching a soccer ball. So that's that's always an important step, too. But I think a lot of it is just it's hard work, you know, um, you know, and understanding that if you want to succeed or stay, you know, competitive, you got to put hard work in when you'd rather be home doing nothing. Is there anything you personally as a, as a coach does to try to help the process of 
building players and, and improving them. Do you uh, point out a couple of professional players that maybe they should watch or emulate or is there, you know, workouts that you give them or is there anything that you do as a coach to help them develop their skills? As far as, far as like skill set type stuff, you know, I run workouts, you know, I'll, they'll probably start back up here in December and that will usually go until spring. I do coach track, so like it kind of like it's not as frequently as then. Um, we'll do like open field type stuff where like kids will come out and like I'll let kids know when it's going to be and kids kind of just come out and they just play. We'll have like open gyms where kids can show up and play. I mean, as much I like to invite the junior high kids to play with them that way, especially the eighth graders to be freshmen because you know the the toughest thing a, a, a freshman can. Okay, experience is going from, you know, being a starter to all of a sudden, you know, you're going from 14 and being, you know, the oldest on the field to playing with 18-year-old men, you know, and it's a different type of game, you know. So getting used to playing a quicker sport, you know, with the high schoolers in the winter, I try to set stuff up like that. Um, in terms of watching, I actually, you know, soccer is kind of one of those few sports where, you know, you can watch professionals play you know, and, and understand, like, how to understand the game better, I guess, you know. Not I mean, and what I mean by that is, like, movement of the ball, spacing on the field, types of runs people are making, you know, um, that type of stuff. You can watch in a professional game. A lot of sports, you know, and, and this is not tearing down anything, you know. I mean, I love basketball. A lot of times, you can have one guy just, you know, you know, torch it off, you know, and, and then dunk on a guy, like, you know, most guys at Earl aren't doing that. So, like, it, it's kind of hard to relate to that type of supreme athleticism, which you see in soccer, but there's so much more of a build-up to it that, you know, you can really test and see and, and, and understand how the game is played. So I, I do tell them to watch as much soccer as they possibly can and really run. Get out and run, whether it's a mile inside, you know, we, we'll, we'll set up. I have, like, a little, like, setup I found in our school that's about a mile you know, 16 down and backs, it's about a mile, you know. Because if, if you are in shape, you, you're already ahead of most, you know, I would say 90% of kids who are going into a new soccer season. So going in shape, you know, alleviates a lot of stress, you know, and anxiety that a kid may have. So that's, that's a lot of what I do. And, you know, really what it comes down to is, is kids wanting to have that want and that drive to succeed and be better, you know. And if you have that, coaching becomes pretty easy, to be honest with you. I think I figured it out, Larry. If there's a kid that can dunk at Earlville, that's where the point five comes from for the one thirty three point five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you're probably right. You know, I don't know if I mean I think we have a couple this year, but I think I don't think Earlville produces a whole lot of kids who are much taller than six foot though, so they're gonna have to jump real high. Yeah, I think if so you're that might be about that point. Yeah. If you're six three at Earlville, that's the point five. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean that all out of fun. I I love Earlville School. I've always had me and you were friends. I talked to you. A lot of coaches at Earlville. It's funny, but I'm still trying to figure out where this point five comes from. (laughs) I don't understand how that works. You know, they probably got some sort of algorithm that makes absolutely no sense. But like you know, someone understands it. (laughs) Just not us, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, Larry, a great season. Back-to-back sectionals, I can't tell you how awesome that is. You obviously know you're going to look at the plaques and 
and all that other stuff going on forward for your career. So congrats. Thank you very much. And like I said, I, you've, I, you've, you've always been really good. I mean, not just to me, but to the kids in the program and, you know, whenever you interview them, they really look forward to it too. So I've always appreciated the work you guys have done for us. So, Oh, no problem. It's been my pleasure. Moving forward, we'll try to get some kids on here, but end of the season and hadn't talked to you in a while, so I thought it'd be uh, you'd be a good guest for us. Awesome. I thank you very much. Thanks for your time, Larry. I appreciate it. You have a good day, sir. You too. Take care. Bye-bye.